Alrighty, for our automotive enthusiast friends and neighbors all around the great Blue Earth, it's time once again for another... Uh, a decennial episode of V8 Radio, Kevin. <laughs> a a de- decennial? Decennial, yes, sir. Decennial. Right, the let me end guess. of the decade. Yeah, end oh, of the decade. Sorry. I was, was going to try that. God darn it. Uh, uh, I, I was actually going to uh, think if the prefix of die meant end of some kind of double decade or bi-decade because uh, we're getting into the 20s, 2020s. Right. Which I can't really believe. Ugh, I know, right? Yeah, That's yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I got my computer all f- squared away on the Y2K thing. So I'm... <laughs> finally, I am yeah. just about dialed in. I think I'm good there. <laughs> uh, and if uh, you listening uh, are familiar with this program, it's a uh, it's kind of a show about cars and stuff. But in the meantime, uh, we like to launch each episode with a riveting trivia question, uh, which. Um, is intended to, uh, you know, kind of let our listeners play along. You can play the at-home player game. We have several of those who do that on <laughs> Facebook and like to shout out the answers along the way. It's kind of fun. And yeah. then we reveal the answers to our worthless questions at the end of this <laughs> highly valued program. <laughs> highly valued. Now there's an overselling adjective. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, actually, Trevor had a, in our shop had an overselling adjective um, I think it was. Was it enthusiasm? It was universally custom. I think universally custom, which means it it again didn't fit anything custom in the Fits universe. Nothing. Yeah, he'll correct me on that one. That wasn't it. It was. I'll have to think of that one. It was a good one. Uh, so have you prepared a trivia question for this our final episode of uh, this decade? Wow. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I have, Kevin. All right, and here we go. Um, last episode, Kevin, you asked me what was the fastest production car of the 1980s. Right, of I course did. course, I got it wrong. And now, now I ask you, Kevin. As a guy who holds what, a grudge. Yes. What is the <laughs> fastest production car of all time to date? Uh, production car. Fastest production car. So that's top speed mm. being top fast? Top speed, and yes, that sir. quickest? Okay. Correct. Well, I think there's a Bugatti Chiron, if I'm not mistaken, that just laid down like 253 miles per hour or something. Mm. Um, and there's also a uh, another one of them whiz-bang foreign jobs. I, uh, I forget which one it is. Another, let's see, a McLaren, I think, just went in the... Th- 30s so it's not that one and the uh koenigsegg um mm. is another one that's right up there with him but I, I think the the news feed thing i just experienced said that it was the uh the bugatti chiron so that, that's what i'm gonna say the bugatti chiron you got a you have a number what'd you say two i think 253 i think is what i I said, and, and I've got a great retort to that, if if that is in, indeed true. Because okay. I, I think the original Callaway twin-turbo sledgehammer Corvette, which was not mm. a technical production car, but it was oh, okay. a, you know kind of a hand-built supercar by Callaway Cars, <clears throat> I mm-hmm. think that also did 253 miles an hour. Wow, cool. But that was right in on. like 1989. Mm. So take that, Bugatti. Yeah, you dirty dogs. 
<laughs> well, I wasn't going to quite go that far. But. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know. I, I almost feel good about that one, which means I got it wrong. Uh, and I've got one right back at you. You ready for it? Let's have it. Let's have it. Okay. Sock it to me. What was the most expensive American car ever auctioned? And the bonus was how much? Ooh, most Ooh. expensive American car ever auctioned. Right. Did it sell? Mm-hmm. It sure did. And it's, I don't want to give it away, but I know that's a pretty random question. So I will say it has some recent context in current events, sort of. Oh, boy. All right. The, oh, man. <laughs> the <laughs> <laughs> good old man there oh man yeah. well let's see here uh okay can you tell me when it was auctioned uh when it sold yeah i think yeah. so um that that would uh that wouldn't constitute giving it away no no um, no i think it sold in 2016 okay if i'm not mistaken and can you tell me which auction company ran it? All right, so you can look that up? Yeah, no. No, I'm not looking anything up. <laughs> That's not what I do. Uh, I don't know what auction company it was. Okay. Um, so 2016, the most expensive American car ever auctioned. I'm going to oh, just take a wag and say a 71 Hemi Cuda convertible at... Five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Nineteen seventy-one Hemi Cuda. Great guess. Thank you. Could be, could be the guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Hemi Cuda convertible, and the bonus, the bonus was five five million. Yes, sir. Five million flat. F- hammered. And not a penny more. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Duly noted. Duly noted. I appreciate that. Yeah. I strive for accuracy in my notations. Well, you know, somebody has to around here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Lord knows it's not me. Uh, but before we go any further, I think we oh. need to stop the presses here because there's oh. an urgency here at V8 Radio, a, a, a breaking news headline, if you will. And oh. that is there is an update on the Q-Ball oh. GTO. Oh my gosh, you had me excited there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should be excited. It's exciting. Yes, there is actual an actual update. There has been forward progress on the GTO in the in the form of um I have a I have a short block uh now. Um Outstanding. We had a glitch with the cam. Uh the cam that we got uh was not ground correctly. The uh the lobes were actually about twenty thou taller than the cam journals themselves, so, so they it, wouldn't it, fit in the block. It wouldn't even fit in the hole. No, yeah. Got to the first, got to the second journal, and that's when everything stopped. And you didn't and, just uh, go to Home Depot and get a hole saw and start reaming the block out a little bit. Well, I was gonna just uh, you know get some sandpaper and just sand down the lobes a little bit. That would have been fine, right? Rat tail file in the hole. I think. Yeah, totally, totally. Some emery cloth. I, I had it going. Yeah. So and, and you know what? That that doesn't happen often. That's the first time I've ever heard of a cam with lobes yeah. bigger than the journals. Yeah, same here. I've never seen that before. And yeah, it was really you know, surprising. 
the, the camshaft business, they do quite a bit of recycling of cores and regrinds and everything. That's standard procedure. That's nothing unusual there. But I'm guessing, I don't even know how that would have occurred. I, I don't know the process well enough to say like this particular cam I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and, and I'm gonna fabricate a story here, right? Okay, yeah. let's do it. Story time with camshaft. <laughs> uh, what what I think is that that cam core was probably selected because of its ability to have a pretty good sized lobe for a particular engine, and they were probably going to mow that lobe down quite a bit and right. make a make a roller out of it or something that needed a lot of lobe meat, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, at the top of the profile, but for an engine that it wasn't originally designed for. So they probably ground all mm. the journals down first and had it on the shelf oh, ready see. to get an aggressive ramp rate lobe. That's pretty good stuff right there, isn't it? That's great. <laughs> that has to be what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I like that story. Right. I love it. That's You know what? That's what's going in the books. That's what's going <laughs> well, in, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I might actually call our friends at Comp Cams and ask him if my story has any possibility of being even remotely probable. You should. That would be that would be kind of interesting. I don't know if they were if they would tell you the truth or not, but uh, oh, they will. They're always good for it. I mean, we've had a couple of weirdo um, cam. We had a cam come uh, come in one day that did not have any holes drilled in the end of it for a gear. Oh wow! And I thought that was kind of strange. And that uh, is strange. Uh, it, it actually was a comp cam, and they said. What's the grind number? We told them the grind number, and they overnighted one on their dime. Here's a brand wow. new one, ready to go. And they that we just was really cool. Yeah, so you know things happen. Out of those right. couple errors we're talking about, there's you know mm-hmm. we've had hundreds of spot on, right, perfect cams. So you know that's part of the joy of engine building, and that's what adds to the <laughs> drama and suspense in your case. Yeah, the joy. I don't know if that's <laughs> the word I would use, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so anyway, we sent the cam back and, uh, they actually reground that same cam because it was returned. It was the same serial number that was sent out. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, which is fine, which is great. So, Mm -hmm. and it fit perfect. And before, uh, and my engine is at my buddy Randy's place. And, um, so he's, he's been helping me, uh, assemble this and just to make sure I don't go down the wrong path because he's built quite a number of engines Mm -hmm. in his day. And um, so we measured the lobe and made sure it was the spec that um, it was on the cam card. And, and sure enough, it was. Everything was perfect. It slipped right in. And, um, you know, we got the oil pump on. And I, I replaced the oil pump. And uh, we got the pickup, you know, tack welded on. And it's in the correct position. Put the um, oil pan on. Uh, there's a few, a few, uh, little items that still have to be completed. Uh, I need a new cam retainer plate just to make sure that the, f- the front and rear thrust of the cam is, is within spec. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then we should be able to move on from there and get the, uh, once that's done, we're going to get the, uh, the cam, uh, degreed. Mm-hmm. Once we know w- where those specs are, then we'll be able to get everything buttoned up and just have to... Uh, wait on heads and then once the heads are done we should be rocking and rolling here shortly that is such great news that's so oh, cool it's huge. that uh yeah yeah no i i think it's great and i'm i'm glad you got a, a buddy that uh is willing to help you out it's always good to have a second set of hands and eyes mm-hmm. on situations like this i can imagine i know me myself if i was trying to install the cam in my home garage and it didn't fit in the hole i would mm-hmm. be questioning my own sanity you know? yeah right 
Uh, well, I suggested, I'm like, well, let's just like beat on it with a mallet just to get it in there. He's like, he's like, shut your mouth, take it out, send it back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So thank okay, you again, Robert, right. for that. You're right. <laughs> yeah. You're so right. That, and and that's um, that's a good time, and it, it, it's unusual this time of year as we record this towards the end of the year with so many holiday things going on and kids out of school and everything that you actually had the ability to go break off for a little while and so did he to be able to put this together yeah it it's really cool and you know my my wife and my kids they understand how important this is and you know they make allowances for me to go you know spend some time out there because he lives about an hour away so if i get out there i want to be able to spend some good quality time to get things done and not Mm -hmm. just you know pop out there for two seconds and then drive an hour back home. So, um, so they get it. And, you know, she's, she's been, my wife's been super supportive and, um, well, she wants to go for me, a ride. Yeah. Well, yeah. Who doesn't man? The kids even want to go for a ride. It's, it's been pretty cool. They can kind of, I've been trying to keep them, you know, uh, informed as of the progress without boring the, you know, the jeepers out of them because yeah. they, you know, they don't care about technical talk, but they just want to know how close it is. Have you ever, and, um, showed them like any, you know animated visible v8 type videos maybe that might be fun just just maybe find 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 one and just say look this is uh these are the parts that i'm putting together right now and and just so that not you don't have to sit there and explain all the theory and everything but they might think that's interesting they might go dad (laughs) (laughs) roll their eyes and walk away yeah but you know, Teenage that, girls. you're used to that. That's a good reaction. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. It's it's their mo now. But um, but yeah, it's uh, things are moving, so I'm I'm pretty happy about it. All right, so cylinder heads and and you know a couple of those other things. Is there anything mm-hmm. on the car side that still needs to be done to accept this new, freshly revamped yeah. power plant? Yeah, a few things. I need motor mounts. Um, I need, uh, I'm going to run headers on this, so I need uh, 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 collector pipes uh, to mate up with the with the existing exhaust. Uh, do do you have engine. headers? I do have the headers, yeah. There's, you're, there's some really vintage, cool-looking three-tube headers that I'm going to use, because I think they look pretty cool. Yeah, right on. And uh, Yeah, so we're going to fit those first, and then maybe ceramic coat them after the fact to make sure they fit, that I don't have to beat them or you know, hammer on them at all. Um, Good move. Test fit them. Yeah, make sure they yeah, fit totally. in the car, and then have them coated. Mm-hmm. And then I need an engine uh, underhood engine harness, and uh, I got to rebuild my carburetor. Uh, I still have to get a distributor and coil. And um, which carburetor is that? Uh, I have a Quadjet that I got to rebuild. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a Edelbrock um, like 600 CFM four barrel. That was on the car before that I really didn't want to use. I, I like quadrujets. jets. I know a lot of people badmouth them and they say they're you know finicky to tune, but I like I like them a lot. I so. like them too. Um, so. I, I've I've been a quadrujet guy, you know. Ever mm-hmm. I think that's probably because that was the first carburetor I took apart and and got yeah. to understand a little bit on. Same here. Um, they still frustrate me. Um, mm-hmm. My seventy riv had its original quadrujet on it, and I pulled it off to uh, to rebuild the thing. And the first thing I did was a rookie mistake, and I pried Uh-oh. on the little uh, cast-in uh, boss that holds the roll pin for the oh. accelerator pump arm. Oh, no. And I broke, I broke the one of the uh, support bosses off the carburetor body. I was so mad. And uh, I made a little, you know, 
tin bracket just to kind of hold that in place. So, but the, the only repair is to replace it with a new top plate. So, right. uh, our friend Eric Von Verkham has the top plate. He said with the right number and you know the right one. So oh, I got to do that. Cool. And then the other thing that made me mad is I rebuilt this carburetor and it started stumbling again, like right away. And I found out that the accelerator pump which was supposed to be Viton or some kind of space age polymer, mm-hmm. um, tore and failed within like a week. It just, Oh man. Com- yeah. So at that point I said, you know what, this thing needs a, it needs a proper restoration. It needs more than just putting some junk parts in it. Right. Uh, yeah. so I, I popped it off and I jumped on eBay and I bought a, um, demon, a street demon, um, on right. the, here's a hot tip for you on the demon or Holly, Reman eBay page. You ever hmm. been there? I have not. Yeah. So you could go to eBay and look up the Holly Reman eBay page and you get all these things that were returned or reconditioned or whatever. And a lot of times you can get some screaming deals. So I, I think I got that down immediately. Yeah. I, I got a bunch of money off on that carburetor and I put it on as a kind of a temporary until I rebuild or restore the proper quadrajet and you know what? I actually really like this carburetor. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've, I've mentioned, I remember you saying how much you liked it. Yeah, so it's still on there, and that just means it's, uh, uh, it's doing the job and it's money I don't have to spend on the other one right now um, because, uh, you know, ideally down the line, fuel injection is the goal. Um, okay. But in your case, if you're going to rebuild that Q jet, I would caution you uh, against some of the, uh, you know, local parts store rebuild kits. Oh, right. Because most of them are stale. They've been sitting on that shelf for quite a long time. And I think yeah. those accelerator pumps have dried out a little bit in the box. Um, mm-hmm. So there's some good resources online. One is called Quadrajet Power. Uh-huh. And I've he sources um, only the best rebuild parts. And he buys them individually. And, and he's got a line of his own, I think. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that that's where I would go for uh, for that stuff to make sure that this thing does what it's supposed to do. Cool. A week after you finish it, you know. Yeah. Um, right. You know that's the other thing that that annoys me about the Quadrajet is they have this remarkable ability to leak fuel out of the bottom of the bowl. Oh yeah. And then you got to crank the thing for an hour to get the car started because the whole yeah, fuel system's those, dry. So Yeah, those those well plugs are notorious for uh, for leaking. Yeah, and definitely. some of them originally were like a lead shot kind of thing that was like smashed into the hole and others were a polymer of some sort. I don't want to say it could be like a plastic. But a common repair is mm-hmm. to kind of carve those things out and fill it with epoxy and and seal it up real good, which um Mm-hmm. That's a definite mandatory thing. That with the th- and, and the throttle bushing hole. Oh right, yeah, situation right, right, right. that they have because they vacuum leak through that throttle shaft sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, making it feel almost impossible to tune properly because you you know you have a vacuum leak that you can't really plug. Yeah. So are you going to do all that on yours, or has it been done? Or well, that was my that was my plan. Yeah. There's a there's a cat that's uh, pretty prominent in the in the Pontiac world named Cliff Ruggles, and he he rebuilds. You can send your carburetor off to him to have him rebuild, or he also sells rebuild kits, and he'll sell sells bushing kits, and he uses, you know, um, uh, like accelerator pump parts that are uh, ethanol resistant. So mm-hmm. good stuff. Running with today's fuel, it should last, and. He uses good quality parts, and he he really knows his his business. So, 
I was probably going to go with one of his rebuild kits, and you know, and I wanted to throttle, uh, do the bushings and the throttle shafts, and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. put all those good parts on there as well. So awesome. So I do have a plan for that. So. Yeah, it was good that um, as I went down that road, you didn't even stop mm-hmm. me. You just let me tell well, you everything you already knew. Well, the, uh, the the people out there may want to hear it as well. So yeah. this is not about me, baby. This is about the listener. <laughs> yeah, this is this is about cue ball not listening. He not, not, <laughs> just sees the mouth moving and and I then it says, it's stopped. It's, it's stopped. It's my turn to talk now. <laughs> no, that's good. It's all good, man. Well, so two great resources. What's your what's uh, the guy's name again? Cliff Ruggles. Cliff Ruggles. All right, mm-hmm. Look him up too. It's always good yeah. to have multiples. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Right on. So we've got to get the Q-Jet rebuilt, get some ignition parts together, get the harness in, headers, uh, cooling system. Oh, cooling system. That's a Pontiac. Yeah, no, well, I, ha- I have my, uh, I have an aluminum radiator already, and um, and that worked. That's been working great. Uh, water pump is the same water pump that I had. I mean, I didn't have overheating issues Good. before. So well, you will now. Did, yeah, right. I'll be making a lot more power. Yeah, a lot more heat. Um. So, we've talked. Have we talked on the show about the aluminum radiator universe and and um, the, the failures? No, not on the show. We haven't. I don't think we have. Okay, good. Because I didn't want to go down the whole thing again and have you say, "Yeah, you told us that two weeks ago." <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, my advice, and I, and I just got back from the from the PRI show a couple weeks ago and talked to our friend uh, Phil at CNR Racing about uh, aluminum radiators again at length. And um, I don't know if you've seen, but there there are a lot of people who are experiencing aluminum radiator failures. Hmm. And the failures, um, obviously any failure is a problem, but what we're seeing is that they're leaking and they're leaking in mm-hmm. weird spots, like where the, the side tank meets the core or, you know, where those... Mm-hmm parts have been brazed together and uh we've done a lot a lot of research on this because Mm. we don't like this problem and 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 i'm going to be real succinct here to try and just kind of spell this out in in the vein of uh uh, warning guys like you are getting ready to to do a a reassembly or have an aluminum radiator what ends up happening first and primary is that you got to make sure you got good water Mm-hmm. We learned that we tested the water in our own shop and we learned that it is far better for us to buy pre-mixed 50-50 antifreeze and coolant. Really? And pour it straight. Yes. And and that was interesting to tell a customer that, you know, their first response is, why am I paying you for water? You know? Right. But, but yeah. the reality is that those mm-hmm. bottling plants have pH neutral water that also has a low mineral count. It's treated properly mm-hmm. and it's it's good water, right? Um, sure. Uh, water with too high of a pH, it becomes acidic and it starts to degenerate the welds and the brazings and, and the soldering that happens inside of a radiator. So mm-hmm. that that's that's number one. And so when we install coolant, um, we pour it in and we use a, a pH test strip as well. And we actually dip that in the coolant. We take a photograph of the pH test strip next to the scale so that we have documentation of what the pH ah. of the cooling system was the day we installed the coolant. Wow, um, and that that helps if you have a problem down the line, and a radiator manufacturer says, "Well, you used the wrong water." If you're trying to warranty something, we could say, "Well, no, here's here's what we did." Right. So the next one is a um, uh, there's another process uh, that is a type of corrosion that occurs on aluminum, and mm-hmm. the name of this stuff 
is called passivation. Hmm. And passivation is, from the way I understand it, and Trevor knows far more about this than I do, uh, like a lot of this stuff, uh, most of our crew knows far more than I do, but <laughs> passivation is like a, um, a quick sacrificial corrosion layer that appears on aluminum and it keeps it alive. It, it protects the aluminum right. and th- some, th- the way passivation occurs in, uh, some situations like what you're about to enter is when people, uh, put the engine in, put the radiator in, they pour the coolant in and they let it sit without starting the engine for a week or a month or a period of time. Right. So now you've got Mm. coolant sitting in the radiator, not mixed in with the rest of the thing. And none of it's been heat cycled. And what we learned is that improperly pacifies, I guess the, uh, the radiator. And when you start the car, the heat Mm -hmm. cycles all of a sudden, um, in some way negatively affect that layer of passivation and will cause things to leak pretty quickly. Wow. Yes. So the, the advice there is don't put the coolant in until you're ready to turn the key, right? So yeah. as you develop your startup checklist, and and uh, by the way, we mm-hmm. have a really good one if you want a copy of it, of mm-hmm. everything to check for. Um, adding coolant should be right at the end before you put the battery charger on it and, and start the thing up. And then the, what, the, the benefit is that the coolant gets circulated through the engine, through everything, through the radiator. It all comes up to temperature at the same time. It cools off the same way. And that extends the life of the radiator. So passivation is, is another one. Uh, the third one on aluminum stuff is um, galvanic corrosion, where we have dissimilar mm. metals. We've got an aluminum radiator. We have, a, an, in right. your case, an iron engine block. Uh, mm-hmm. you got a brass copper heater core, <clears throat> right? So you got... three or four different kinds of alloys and stuff. And more importantly, the flux core solder that is used to braise these tanks together and fins together. Mm -hmm. A lot of times uh, what galvanic corrosion is, is voltage gets um, uh, built up in the coolant. As the coolant gets circulated through the system, it actually is a a static charge that kind of builds up in there and then it circulates. Mm -hmm. And, that uh, galvanic corrosion turns your cooling system into a battery and then coupled with the pH in the water can start to dissolve the flux out of those solder joints and leak, right? That's and crazy. It Gee is. And, and over time, it'll actually break down tanks and fins and all kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. the way to check for that, and it's another thing that we do, is we put a voltmeter in the coolant, one one lead in the coolant, one on the you know, the uh positive side of the battery and measure what the actual voltage rating is on the coolant itself. And this mm. is dynamic. It, it's going to be different when it's running because okay. the, yeah, the, that, the, that makes sense. Yep. Electrical systems doing its thing. Uh, so the way to prevent all that is make sure you've got grounds absolutely everywhere. Overground uh-huh. your vehicle. That was in my mind. I was, yeah. That's, that makes total sense. That's crazy. Yeah. Man. And, and also the, I got to check with uh, with our latest research on methodology of mounting the radiator because I'm pretty sure we want that radiator completely isolated from the mm. heater core, right? Um, so it doesn't conduct okay. electricity through the core, the core support. Okay. I'm sorry, the radiator core support. I said heater sure. core. I meant the core support. Um, and the other thing is that, um, you know, so you put that on rubber mounts, uh, which does two things that it allows the radiator to sit comfortably and not get twisted and mm-hmm. 
strained, but then um, it, it becomes an isolator. And then the hoses themselves are also isolators because they're rubber. Um, so you shouldn't be inducing that current through those connections. So that's that's the next thing to, gotcha. to be aware of is galvanic corrosion. And then you got to check this stuff periodically. You got to check the voltage every once in a while to see if you're not accumulating. And you got to check the pH every once in a while to see if something's not breaking down. And uh, you do that, you'll have a happy aluminum cooling system. If not, you're really risking it leaking. And, it, and, and there's, unfortunately, I've yet to see a radiator manufacturer <clears throat> that puts those steps in their instructions. Well, I mean, I've never, it's never dawned on me, especially this pacifization. I've never even heard of that before. Um, I, I've, I've seen people put voltmeters in their coolant to check the, the, the voltage, but do you know what the acceptable voltage range is that you don't want to exceed? Yeah, it's like two mill two two and a half millivolts, I think. I mean, it's it's really not not a lot. Oh wow, that little. Um, okay. We have a video coming out that articulates all these steps and, and shows how to do them. Um, <clears throat> that I got to get on. We got to get we got to get out there. And uh, so again, our friend at CNR, those guys are are so far ahead of what most people even need in a street radiator. They make radiators mm -hmm. for F1 cars that are pressurized at over a hundred psi. Holy cow. Yeah, the cooling system runs over 100 pounds. And the reason for it is the more you compress it, the higher the coolant capacity is for temperature. Right. You can run sure. them hotter and, and stay in control of the temperature. But those guys, Man. they were showing me some nanotube coolers. So here's a brick cooler. It's aluminum, and it's it's like a enclosed box with two fittings on either mm. end. And inside is a core of nanotubes. And how do I describe a nanotube? So you were just talking about your Rochester Quadriget carburetor. You know, when you, right. and I'm sorry, only, only QJet guys will know this, but as you put together a Rochester Quadriget, there's those two air bleed tubes that go down that, that are pressed into the top cover and you got to kind of snake them into their hole They're yeah. right in the middle of the top plate. They're, they're mm -hmm. probably a, I don't know, less than a 32nd of an inch diameter. Um, yeah, a nanotube, a it, you know, 10 of them would fit inside that. They're like a, a human cow. hair thickness tube. And this is an aluminum core that's just full of those. And the fittings allow for coolant to pass through the nanotubes and spit out the other side. And then the other fittings provide a cross flow of a different type of coolant to remove the heat out of those tubes. Mm -hmm. And and what CNR is able to do is take a radiator device, now it could be a, an intercooler for a turbo system or something, and use these nanotubes mm -hmm. that can pull far more heat out of it and shrink the whole package of the thing at the same time. So right. these guys it's gotta are like, be amazingly efficient. It is, it's ridiculous. Amazing, um, yeah. So when they tell me stuff, I tend to pay attention to it because I see what they're doing and they're they're legit, mm -hmm. and and Phil was telling us about that passivation, and he said that they're going to try and uh, <laughs> dial up their own instructions a little bit too, um, to make oh, sure good. people pay attention to all this stuff. So, yeah, that's that just just blows my mind, man. Yeah, well, we had a car, um, a seventy one C ten. We did an LS swap on it, and the whole truck was basically original. It had originally C on it, you know, and everything else. It was restored. Yeah. But it was just eating radiators, like quickly. Within a couple of months, all of a sudden the tank's leaking and we replace it. And then wow. and the next one's doing the same thing. And, and that's what really kind of got us into it because the, the radiator manufacturer straight up told us that we don't know what we're doing. 
and we're idiots uh-huh. and the truck is toxic and you know we just need to stop working on cars <laughs> and you know that that sat well <laughs> yeah right sure buddy so oh my gosh we asked him so what do you need to know you know what what would have plus this particular company said they had a lifetime warranty and they 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 warranted one radiator and then they said no no more ever again uh, and I said, oh, that's wow. not lifetime. And they said, it's at our discretion. And I said, I get it. You don't want to be handing out radiators for everybody. But then don't say lifetime. Mm-hmm. So you get one. You know? Duh. Yeah, um, one and done. Right. Uh, and we had two where they were done from them. But we asked them you know, about what they needed. And we did our own research. And, and that's, that really started to get us into this mode of, of preparing this information and having it available so that if some customer of ours or anybody, you, you know, me, have a problem down the road, we can go back and say, well, this is what it was doing, this is that. And if it is something that we did wrong, I'll eat it totally. And we ended up eating a bunch yeah. of radiators for this guy. But I think we finally got him figured out to where, you know, with all these steps, we're, uh, we're in good shape. That's, I mean, by golly, you're learning stuff all the time. PRI is a good thing. Yeah, you know, it's funny how we actually eventually solved that particular one. We put a copper brass radiator back in it. Did you really? Yep, we put an original style radiator right back in the thing. It cools fine, and he will never have to even worry about that again. (laughs) That's hysterical. Well, it's a thing. It would be kind of funny to get it back to put an aluminum radiator back in it with all those steps and see yeah. see where see well, where the issue was. We had done most of those steps on him and it's still we were still having some problems. Oh, so really? at that point we just said, look, mm. he he's not the customer that was, you know, requesting an aluminum radiator, you know, and, and a lot of times oh, it, it made me start to think, so what what's the benefit of an aluminum radiator, right? Well, mm. in reality, a copper oh. brass will cool about the same. It it yeah. has a very similar efficiency. Uh there is a weight factor. So if you took a copper brass and set it down on a scale and he took an empty aluminum and set it on a scale, the aluminum is going to weigh a lot less. But mm. there's also a packaging consideration. So aluminum is great because you can weld to it. You can weld brackets. You can make tabs and, and make a mm-hmm. certain radiator fit a bunch of different applications. Whereas <clears throat> copper brass, it's a whole different skill set to be able to weld or braze to a tank on a on a radiator to mount it or whatever so the racing guys were able to buy generic cores and then weld their own tanks and fabricate stuff and and boom you know that's that's totally the solution and of course everything racing you know is cool on the street people think it's neat so that's how it ended up there um you'll notice that if you pop the hood on your uh your daily drive what do you got a cruise right your chevy cruise yeah chevy cruise right so you open the hood on the cruise you'll see the radiator has plastic tanks Correct. And it's aluminum core. And the reason for that is Mm -hmm. they don't have any galvanic corrosion problems because it's Mm. isolated by a plastic tank. They don't even have those joints. Uh Yeah. Because that was another one of our questions. How come all these new cars aren't doing it? Interesting, man. Interesting stuff. (laughs) So, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I, I, this this is, don't take this the wrong way. Sometimes I consider our listeners... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and I, I try to think what they came here for. Did they come here today for a tirade on radiators? Probably not, but most of them probably don't come here for anything in particular anyway. So <laughs> it's all fair game. <laughs> come here for background noise when they're working on their own projects. That's right. Exactly. But that is some 
that's some seriously expensive information that we learned the hard way. So take it and use it. Oh, I believe it. So, so that will be cool. You know, pretty soon you'll, uh, you'll be able to turn the key on that thing again. Oh gosh, man. Just the thought of it gets me all giddy. I bet. Oh man, it's been down so long. I can't even remember the last time I drove that car. I think three years. Gosh, easily, easily yeah, three wow. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a good. Uh, it's a good. Uh, um, a good time to once again just just move the needle forward on your annual goal and say you'll be able to have this car on the road in 2020 this time. That Under. is, I mean, that's it's it's the most. Um, realistically attainable goal at this point kevin is the most realistically attainable goal at this time <laughs> to get this car back on the road yeah well if you can see it you know you can get there and and that that's part of the challenge is visualizing what it is you want you know and and uh mm-hmm. we learned recently kelly and i are are in some management training and I, I, we might have talked about that before to help our business run uh better because neither one of us are uh uh, our MBA holders, but we're going to be pretty close when we get out of this thing. Um, but they, they have a neat little process where they say, you know, envision what your goal is. Doesn't matter if it's personal, professional, whatever, but say mm. it out loud and write it out. If you write it down, hmm. all of a sudden you've used a different part of your existence to articulate your goal. You didn't just think about it and let that thought leave. If you say it out loud, you say, I want to drive my GTO this year. And that affects the way your nerves work and your memory and your sense of confidence and everything else. And then if you write it down and say, I'm driving my GTO this year and get even more specific and say, a a, a goal with a date on it is what becomes the heart of the plan. So I'm going to drive my GTO Mm -hmm. this year to the 4th of July cruise in my hometown and say that out loud, write that down. Now things uh-huh. start to stick a little bit more and you go, huh? Yeah. And, and you will subconsciously work towards making that happen even more. I got you. I like it. That's uh, I, I, I have said a few of those things out loud as well. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It does. It does help when you hear it, when you he- hear yourself say it, yes. it kind of, you know, it makes you like, okay, well then let's do it then. Rather Which, than just daydream about it and say, oh, I wish I could drive my car again, God dang it. Yeah, right. And, and, and uh, you know, the other thing is that it, I find myself not saying these things out loud because somebody might have heard me and then I got to do it. And then, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said, man. You said, bro. <laughs> I never said that. I thought that. <laughs> well, it's kind of like uh, when Kelly was uh, filling out your calendar for you for all the Summer of Kevin stuff. All that happened. It, yes. It got said out loud and written down. It did. Uh, 2019 so. was a, uh, a heck of a year. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, largely man. because Kelly made, you know, what we affectionately call the Summer of Fun calendar. Uh, and she was calling it the Summer of Kevin because I just had so much going on, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We had found ourselves in these situations where it's midway through Saturday afternoon and you have this sinking feeling. You just peed your weekend away because... You're not doing anything. <laughs> right. And it's like, what am I going to do? Well, it's too late to start that project or I don't want to go here or right. whatever. 
So she said, no, look, we're going to talk about these. We're going to plan them out. I'm going to put them on the calendar. And then they're always kind of there. So, so you, you can look forward and see, oh yeah, three weeks from now, there's that car show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's on your mind. Mm -hmm. And, and then unless something else pops up, you know, you can make that happen. Um, and we were mm -hmm. fortunate enough to go to a lot of events over the summer. Um, many, yeah, uh, uh, car shows. So two, two street machine nationals, uh, DuCoin and, mm -hmm. um, St. Paul, uh, the, uh, uh, four wheel jamboree in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, the four wheel jamboree in Indianapolis, the off-road expo in Pomona, California. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, uh, uh, the SEMA show in Vegas, the Riyadh show, I uh, didn't go to McCacken, uh, but you did. And, uh, <laughs> uh, the PRI show, and then PRI, the yeah. local Optimus Club car show, which uh, which I run. Mm -hmm. Good guys Nashville, um, and and I think more yeah. on top of that. Plus some camping trips, and you know some other little fun travel. So it uh, it, it was a heck of a year for sure. Nice, yeah. Holy cow! And when you, when you say it, I'm like, wow, you were busy. I don't know how we made time to do any shows this year for crying out loud. Well, yeah, and our shop, you know, V8 Speed and Resto was rocking the whole time too. Um, we are currently up to 19 people on staff, which just blows my mind. Wow, uh, this amazing. was the 2019. Uh, Kelly was able to spearhead the project to expand the shop and 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 purchase that body shop next door. So that became our mm -hmm. far more higher technology, you know, technology paint. And body center with the baking downdraft yeah. blow therm booth and space and a lot more, you know, resources to do, uh, you know, top-notch paint and body work. We added a bunch of metal shop uh, uh, tools and equipment, um, got our team some training. Um, every one of our, uh, uh, I think just about every one of our technicians um, definitely expanded their horizons along the way with some kind of project or, or process or education. So mm -hmm. that's all super cool. We just added a, um, a customer relations individual to stay in better communication with our customers. And, and, uh, you know, th this is a very social business, you know, as you and I do this, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're guys in the garage talking about cars and that's what most people do. So I think, I think yeah. it's important to share that time with, with, uh, customers that we're building cars for. And, uh, when there's all these irons in the fire, we didn't really have somebody dedicated to that. So, um, which was, you know, kind of silly to think about, you know, it's a very primary function. Uh, but now we have a guy named Joe who's doing that and doing right. a great job, reaching out to customers mm -hmm. and chatting with them. Uh, right on. Built some great cars, won some, you know, scored really well at, at McCacken and, and other cars mm -hmm. and other events. And, uh, it's just it's it, 19 was a lot and and I would, I'm hoping 20 is uh, is even more. It is going to be more. Um you, I mean you, things are really firing on all cylinders with you guys. I've I've seen the progress over the over the course of a, of a number of years from building cars out of the out of that shop at uh, at the farm hmm. and then get, getting this place in red bud and then expanding into the into the uh shop next door and really seeing it organize and come together and building a business and you know you and kelly evolving along with the business and the staff evolving along with it and and putting out uh, an even better product getting better equipment being more efficient and just growing in general and it's it's neat to see that 
Well, thank you. You know, and, and, and I'm thinking of all the stuff that I missed. I mean, we added the interior shop, uh, which was oh, a, right. a huge step forward. The, uh, um, the V8 TV uh, online subscribers have gone up tremendously. The Muscle Car of the Week has gone up tremendously. Uh, you know, a ton of other video projects in, in those realms. We're doing some more coming up. In fact, we had some good meetings at PRI with some companies that we like to work with that we're doing more video with. But, you know, you're right. Um, we're fortunate that we have been able to evolve and grow and, and get better uh, at, at what we do and, and manage this thing better uh, because there's – I, t- I used to joke about it. I used to tell people we run a three ring circus and, and today I think we run like a 10 ring, you know, it's just nice. Yeah. We, we do things that, you know, a lot of typical businesses don't do. You know, if you have an auto repair shop, you fix cars. Um, are you also running a video production business out of that? No. Are you, you know, hosting no. events all over the country and stuff? No. You know, it, it, so it's great that we have these opportunities to be involved with our industry, but uh, it, it it takes evolution on our end to be able to do it, you know, because there's no manual, you know, <laughs> it's like, here you go. Yeah. I mean, even, I, even I've been touched by some of that, by um, you having me step in for you at, at the McCacken show and, and even doing some voiceover work for, for some of your videos as well. Yes. Which is fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Well, Thank you. Well, I'm so glad. And, uh, you know, it, it, I guess that's an indicator of kind of where I've come from and where I've gone. Because a few years ago, I was far more of a control freak to allow anybody to do anything on the video mm. stuff, you know, except for myself and maybe, you know, a couple of our hired professionals. And I realized that that's right. not the way you grow. And that's not the way you help other people grow. Mm. And and you've got a great ability with your voiceovers. They sound really awesome. And to me, they added Thanks, something that, uh, honestly, something that's been missing from some of our videos, that kind of mm. unknown um, third-party narrator voice, I think, uh, brings mm-hmm. a, a, a more network quality to a lot of this stuff. And uh, you did a great job. And, and if you're listening to this, you can check Mike out um, uh, in the latest uh, video series we published on VATV of doing that LS3 and the Pontiac Trans Am. And I love the fact we made you talk about an LS and a Pontiac. <laughs> I know, right? You got me. You got me. <laughs> got him. <laughs> but no, it was really good. And there's, yeah. we, we got a lot more for you coming. So uh, I Thanks. hope you like it. Well, luckily, I haven't gotten any hate mail from that. So, None. So no, that's no, no. good. Yeah, yeah. No. Not, not a word. I was waiting for some of your Pontiac <laughs> Club guys to step in and say, hey, wait a minute. You sounded like you were smiling yeah. when you said uh, LS3. Yeah, right. <laughs> you sounded a little too agreeable about this whole thing. Yes. That was really good. Yeah. Totally. And and um, Thanks. We, we have a lot of full build you know, and, and partial build car video series coming out. We always have them coming mm-hmm. out to certain degrees. We're always working on them. We don't release them as much as I'd like to. And that's kind of a goal for 2020 is to cool. release more, more uh, build videos. I've got probably six, six complete cars on the shelf right now uh, cool. that need to be edited down um, and, and getting out there. But I'm never one to uh, uh, brag about my own intelligence because simple things escape me all the time. And mm-hmm. one of our challenges has been, if you can imagine, you have a whole team of technicians working on a car or working on different cars. Uh, if the, the customer walks in the front door of the shop and 
either myself or, or Rod, our, our, uh, our shop manager, or Joe, our customer relation guy, we speak with the customer and we say, tell me about the car. You know, what do you got? Oh, mm-hmm. well, I've got a, uh, I've got a 1970 Corvette and I've had it for my whole life. And we, we learn as much as we can mm-hmm. about them. And, and personally, because I like <clears throat> to hear those stories, but then we can help them figure out what their goal is of you know, how they want to use it and if they want to modify it or restore it or whatever. So that information of you know what their their wants are um, becomes kind of a to-do list that the team gets about mm-hmm. uh, making those things come to life and doing those particular tasks. Well, a lot of times uh, I've learned that uh, our technicians – you know, this might be uh, uh, Brett who works back in the metal shop. He might be putting mm-hmm. a quarter panel on a car and not really know anything about the car or the customer. Uh. He didn't have that conversation up front, you know? Right. And he doesn't know that he, – he knows it landed in his department to do some metal work, but he doesn't know what color it's going to be or he doesn't know what engine it's going to be, you know, kind of unless he asks uh, or right. whatnot. And uh, a lot of them do, but there was no central mechanism to kind of disseminate that information. Okay. And that information is important because everybody enjoys what they're doing more if they understand the final goal. Exactly, yes. Right? And and they yeah. really like it when they can learn about the customer. And a lot of times they meet the customers when they come through. But some cars get sent to us from different states or different countries, so you, you never do get to meet them. So as I was saying before, I'm not the sharpest uh, you know wrench in the sandbox. And uh, <laughs> I realized that a potential solution for this is right in front of my face. And what we're going to start doing in 2020 is when a car comes in, mm-hmm. um, we're going to do a very informal walk around video that tells the story. Oh, cool. Who it is, how long they've had it, how they got it, why this car, and then why it's at our shop and what we're going to be doing with it. And <clears throat> I've tentatively named this series. Uh, what are you in for? <laughs> and, i like it i yeah, like it <laughs> and it, it's so we've done shop tours in the past that kind of do the same thing but that's for all the cars that we're currently working on and this is going to be an individual right. car by car thing cool and it's going to be partially disseminated internally so our guys can go hey all right now i know about that 70 Corvette. Yeah. um and i think we're actually going to d- distribute those on youtube as well um just saying this this is what's nice. new here um and Dig it. Maybe when it's done, we'll do another video and show the the final. And some of those might go through the video process of start to finish. You know, just uh-huh. depends on, on what they are. But um, right. So that I'm looking forward to doing those. Those should be pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. That's going to give the uh, the guys doing the work a little bit of uh, some investment in that in that project as well, since they're going to know a little bit more about it. It's like, oh yeah, this is a '70 Corvette. Yeah, we want to make sure we you know do the fiberglass work a certain way for this guy because this is what he likes and so on and so forth. So. Yep, and I think another side benefit that we're hoping for mm-hmm. is that there will be a cross pollination of information from our technicians. So if they mm-hmm. all watch the video, one guy might volunteer. Oh hey, don't forget on the '70 Corvette. There's a weird motor mount thing. So as you guys mm-hmm. do this, you know, because they've all got their wealth of knowledge in different areas. And sometimes yeah. the most frustrating thing is when you find out a technician spent some time solving a problem and one of the other guys knew the answer, but didn't know that that was a question. <laughs> That's funny. I, I run into that in my, in my day, my nine to five as well. I we, bet. I'm, you yeah. know, you get, where you get beat up with some issue. Oh yeah, no, you got to go this then there and do that. Like, oh, well, thanks a lot for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you tell me. Thanks for that an hour ago. Appreciate that. Yeah. Well, and along those same lines, another um, 
video goal that uh, uh, we're trying to get done for hopefully soon is about our process. You know, we find ourselves uh, telling the same story over and over again to potential customers when they ask questions like, well, what's involved with one of your paint jobs, right? Mm. And we have a, like a, a document, a, a pictogram kind of thing that shows the layers of product that we use in the order mm-hmm. uh, that was supposed to help the technicians to, you know, kind of keep them on track in the body shop so that, you know, first level is epoxy. We do two coats and two different colors of epoxy. And and somebody went, wait, wait, you do two, two, two layers and two colors of epoxy. What's that all about? You know, why, mm-hmm. why do it twice? Well, the reason why is because the second one becomes kind of like a guide coat. And if you're starting to sand through something and you see green and it starts to turn black, you're hitting your second layer and you don't want to go through that. And that's a protection thing. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Well, the reason why they didn't know that is because we've never explained that. Ah. And I think we're going to do a series of videos, one long one that's got everything and then maybe break it up into chapters that explains our process of how we take a car apart, how we catalog the parts, how we inventory it, how we plan it, how we restore, you know, paint stripping and, and metal work and paint work and mechanical work mm-hmm. and our approach on all this stuff. So that if somebody is online and they just kind of come across us, they, they might get interested and, and, you know, want us to work on their car. And mm-hmm. also if, if somebody calls up and, and we're having this conversation, I can say, you know what I can do? Uh, when we get off the phone, I'm going to send you a link to a video that goes into a little greater depth and you can kind of see what I'm talking about and it, it mm-hmm. might provide more info, you know, for customers. So that should be pretty cool, cool man. Right on. Ever yeah. evolving. I like it. Just got to try and get smarter and use the technology that, you know, you have access to. And, and, and so the funny thing is these were both, you know, end of my <clears throat> nose product projects. They're right in front of my face the whole time. And they should have been done years ago, but I, I just didn't even see it. <laughs> you know, ah. I, I've done these types of videos for other companies and told them what a great idea it is and didn't even think <laughs> that, uh, hello. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> do, it, do it for yourselves, dummy. You know, so... Uh, but yesterday we had a, uh, staff meeting. Uh, we have a monthly staff meeting, uh, with all the team and, and, uh, we have lunch and chat about stuff. And, and it was kind of fun. We did a kind of a goal articulation session and asked everybody two questions. You know, what do you think a, a goal for your department or your personal space in our shop would be in our business, but then also what's a personal goal for 2020. Mm. And the reason why we did that is because, if we know that, so we had several technicians that all said, uh, in 2020, I want to finish my car or I want to get my car running or something, project car. Mm. Well, now we know that. And now I know that, uh, Jonathan, one of our technicians that you met, a mechanic, um, he, uh, he's been going after a 61 Cadillac for a long time. He used to have one and it got messed up and he wants another one. Well, now that I know that, I'll keep my eye out for it. You know, maybe if right I find on. one, I'll throw it his way. Or, or if he ends up finding one, I love those cars. And if I know he's got one, I'd be happy to, you know, maybe help him out of the shop one time and, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, help him work on it. And some of the other guys, uh, uh, Rod, our shop manager, has been working on a Sunbeam um, Alpine uh, convertible 5.0 Mustang-powered car for years. It was his parents and and his goals to get that thing running this year. So it's, it's cool I was very happy that all of our team members took that question seriously and, and came up with something interesting 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jason BB uh, Sarge, as we call him, he's kind of our right. our our uh, premises guy. Mm-hmm. His goal is pretty simple. He wants to help his kids be the best citizens they can as they transition from one school to the next, and as they start to grow up. You know, that's that's front and center. That's his goal. So cool. that's great. It's a worthy you know, goal, yeah. It's a great goal. And, uh, <clears throat> and they kind of ran the gamut. Some guys have health concerns <clears throat> they want to address. They want to get into better shape. You know, Boy, uh, howdy. Yeah. Some <laughs> have God dang uh, it. <laughs> other, other personal things they're working on, but they all had heartfelt, thought-out answers. And um, at the same time, they all had some pretty rock-solid goals for the shop with regards to ways they can do what they do better and, and learn and, and, uh, gain knowledge and experience so that the business grows. And, um, so we didn't have anybody who rolled their eyes and went, okay, well for 2020, I want to, you know, I'm going to lose 10 pounds, whatever, you know, we didn't have any of that. We had, that's good, man. Yeah. And it really tells you what a top notch team of people, these guys and gals are and that they care about what they do. And yeah, that's what matters. Yeah, they're phenomenal. Yeah, they they are they're they're the talent level there is is unbelievable and they're and they're cool people. They're good people. So Yeah. And this just turned into a giant commercial for the shop, but uh yeah. they, they they deserve it. <laughs> yeah, they do deserve it. Every bit of it, for sure. So you're going to drive the GTO in 2020. My goal out loud, Kevin, is to drive my GTO under its own power in 2020. My 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 real goal is to be able to drive it on the power tour in 2020. So wow. that's, I got six months. Ooh. So that's it. That's there it. you go. You heard it mm-hmm. here, folks. I want to at least do one leg of the power tour, at least one leg of the power tour in my GTO for 2020. And is the route conducive this year? I forgot where it's going. I, I think it is. I Did think they say it, where the I, 2020 route is? Oh, well, actually, I don't know. Mm. I'm it's, sure it's been it, released. It usually is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me see. We talked about this. Yeah, I thought we did. But that could have been last year. You know, the time goes fast. The time does go fast. Um, And you've got that f- Turbo 400 in that thing, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. You need an overdrive. I do need an overdrive. But it does have like a 293 rear end. So it- you need to ditch that and get it. <laughs> Get an overdrive. <laughs> I want this to run first, and then yeah. I can worry about the little nicey extras. All right. Well, we talked about it last time that that one of my goals that I'm getting more serious about is doing that five speed conversion in the Galaxy, and, yeah. and and possibly putting an overdrive in the Riv. And I was talking about doing that Ford electronic thing because I think it might fit better. But you know what I have? I'm going to set this aside just for you. I have a 204R. BOP pattern transmission. That's that right? It needs a rebuild, but it's in perfect working shape. And uh, that could go in the GTO. So I got that set aside for you. Oh, thanks, bro. And I didn't pay yeah. for it. So I'm, it's, I'm just, that's yours for the taking. Always, always taking care of me. I appreciate that. Thank well, you. Well, you taking care of us on voiceovers and, you know, letting mm. me go on rants here and all that kind of stuff. So that's worth something. <laughs> Rant away, my friend. Rant away. Yeah. So... <laughs> If you find a deal in a gear set, um, I mean, we can get you a deal in a gear set too. We can, right. That might be a fun field trip, you know, before the, uh, before the GTO is driving or maybe even when it is driving, uh, the gears would only take a day to swap and Trevor and Tyler and Caleb and Mike in our shop are all really good at it and would do it with you. You know, you could. Yeah, that would be, that would be neat. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Part of the. Yeah. 
the V8 continuing education program. Yeah, right. I, I would. I mean, I have thought about overdrive and getting some uh, some shorter gears in the back, just um, just for better, you know, uh, just off for the better. line. But just for better. Just, just for better. More better. Better <laughs> gears, more better. Yep. Way more fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, a 204R will fit in the car. Oh, yeah. It, I think I just have to move the trans mount a little bit. Yep. Um, and then... And then a different drive shaft, maybe. Yeah, because it's the same length as a 350. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's a little shorter yes. than a 400? Yeah. yeah. So you might you might find a 350 drive shaft. Mm, yeah. But those cars didn't come with turbo 350s, right? They were... That's correct. They were turbo 400s. 67s were turbo 400s years before the, the automatics were two-speed power glides. Yeah, yeah. And all the V8... Pontiac A bodies were turbo 400s or just GTOs. Um, so if you bought a six cylinder Tempest automatic, was that a 350? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think that was still a Power Glide. Ooh, that would have been miserable. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I'm, 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 I'm certain that it was. And the 326 so I, I, cars and all that stuff. Correct. Yeah, yeah. They were Power Glide cars um, with automatics. For the 67 Tempest. The big cars had the Turbo 400 and the GTOs had the Turbo 400. Uh-huh. Well, a new drive shaft isn't that much of a thing. Yeah. But, uh, and we got a line on a rebuilder too. A guy does a really good job on those 200s near us. Oh, good. You can yeah. beef them up and make them last behind a, a fire breathing 461 yeah, torque will. monster. They right, will, especially it. if you gear it right, you know, because uh-huh. the tires become the fuse when you, when you lean right. on it. Um, yeah. and then you got to put a little over a uh, little lockup converter control in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ooh, boy, that'd, that'd be nice. Then. Boy. Yeah. 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 Woo! Well, our, our, our friend Charlie with that red 73 Trans Am that we showed the, Oh man, the couple pictures of, we've got a video coming out on that. You're going to do some voiceover on that. And that right was on. a Holly sniper and a gear vendor overdrive unit. Mm-hmm. And that well, that's has, right. It's a gear vendor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was wonderful. Uh, in that case, I believe so it. that car's numbers matching, I believe. I just learned that he's had that since 1985, and his oh, wife yeah. drove it to college. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then he had it restored, and, and, you know, luckily he's allowed us to do, you know, some modifications that are kind of unobtrusive, and mm-hmm. the gear vendor unit, uh, bolts on the back of his 400 transmission and it, it fit nice in that car. We, we had to massage a little floor brace a little bit, but nothing, you know, major. Mm-hmm. And, ooh, boy, is that nice to drive. You know? mm. Man, this is a beautiful car, too. The Buccaneer Red with a white interior. Yeah, and the orange uh, orange feathers on the bird. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, that car is just... And it's yeah, got 17 it's snowflake wheels. and Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like it. I'm I'm a I'm a believer. Yeah, that's a great car, and he's a he's super mm-hmm. nice guy, and and uh, he's been to our driving event many times and likes to hang out. So, very fortunate oh, to have have that one to uh, to work on every once in a while. And um, again, video coming soon on that one. Sweet. Mm-hmm. I know we 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 all can't wait for that. Yeah, that thing got a lot of that thing got a lot of legs when when he threw those pictures out. It did. It did. Well, yeah. how can you not like it? You know. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> if I mean, you don't like that, you got a problem. It's got a great stance. I mean, the paint mm-hmm. looks great. The interior looks great. Mm-hmm. Four fifty five. It wasn't. It wasn't LS. <laughs> it was not an LS, and it's a Butler built motor, so it's four hundred and sixty yeah. some cubes, also, I believe, and uh, uh, mm-hmm. a good cam in it, and uh, makes a ton of power. And yeah, it's a win. 
It's probably cruises down the highway going like 1,200 RPM for crying out loud. Uh, a little bit higher than that. I think he's got a three a 325 rear end. Is that right? Or a 355. And I should know this because Trevor put the gear in it a couple of years ago. But um, there's something about, you know, going up through the gears and all of a sudden you hit the top one. It just goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. And, you know, everything's just kind of happy. Sit back and relax. That's yeah. it. Yeah, enjoy your ride. Amen, brother. Woo-wee. Yeah. That's living. Yeah. Well, some some good goals for 2020. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll, ha- we'll have to remember to reflect on this episode. Did we do this last year? Maybe I should go listen to see <laughs> what I didn't do this year. <laughs> <laughs> I probably said the same nonsense. I'm driving my car 2019, yeah. man. I'm putting a five-speed in the galaxy. That's it, bro. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we should get back to our trivia question because I know mm. everybody is uh, uh, waiting. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Real quick derail our friend sure. uh, uh johan olsen from sweden who we've we've spoken about before yeah. who's a, a big time listener he actually ended up sending me a police t-shirt uh, uh collared button-down shirt uh, nice. from from where he's at yes and uh, i just want to let him know i got that and thank you so much um that's going to be prompt primely displayed in the office so uh that was very cool i got to send him something in return oh very cool yeah thank you johan yes okay so the questions, what, what was yours? Uh, mine was, what was the fastest production car to date, top speed? Oh, yes. And you said the Bugatti Chiron, Chiron? Chiron. Chiron at 253 miles per hour. Um, throughout this episode, I questioned my answer to this, so I might, I might just give this to you. Because oh, what right I had on. was the Bugatti Chiron Supersport. At 304 miles per hour. Holy mackerel! Yes, okay. yeah. But, but that car was modified, so I'm not sure if that's if that's uh, a valid uh, answer or not for on my part. Well, I think so. it is actually because I now that you say that, I do remember hearing that they cracked 300 with one of those mm-hmm. things, and I think it just didn't stick. I think my mind was like, I don't believe that. That just <laughs> <laughs> well, when I saw that, I'm like, that's, I can't believe this either. Right. When I saw multiple sources that that cited it, I'm like, all right, I guess it's right. Well, so, good good for them. Yeah. So no, I, I lose you, that one. I got it wrong. Well, you just down, say Bugatti Chiron, so that's correct. I was down 50 miles an hour. Well, I just said my, the question was, what was the fastest production car? I didn't require the top speed. Well, you're right, and I, I almost think that the previous version, the Veyron, might have done 253. So, yeah, may have. Yeah, yeah. No, I so, suck at that one. So you're That's correct. I'm... Congratulations, <laughs> sir. All right. Congratulations. Okay, my question to you was, mm. what was the most expensive American car ever auctioned? And yeah. your response was a 1971 Hemi Cuda convertible at a flat $5 million cold, yeah. hard American dollars. Mm. And that's a pretty good guess, but it was uh, unfortunately not accurate. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was, but I couldn't. The correct answer was CSX 2000. The 1962 Shelby Cobra that was Carol's personal car. Right. Yep, yep. 289 car that he would, uh, great, great history on that car. 
It, it was blue right. when when it finally sold. It had been three different colors, I think, in the past, because that's the one that he he would have photographed for a magazine, and then he'd repaint it a different color and right. <laughs> make it seem like they had multiple cars. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That one sold for thirteen point seven five million, mm. which was a final bid of twelve and a half, and then the uh, auction juice made it thirteen seven five. And Gosh, that was uh, the most expensive. So, and now that you say that, I remember when that happened. Gosh darn it! Yes, yes. yeah, it just didn't yeah. pop into my head. Right, right. Mm. I'm sorry, it didn't pop in your head. And I tried yeah, to say it was contextual a... because you know the whole Ford versus Ferrari thing was going on, and that car was not yeah. that car, but a car that was acting to be that car was in the movie. Oh, okay. Well, I hope it wasn't that car. That would have been mm. scary. Yeah, that would have been. The Carol Shelby <laughs> character uh, played by Matt Damon was driving around the Cobra, and it was supposed to be that one. So, Oh, I got you. I got you. I, I still haven't seen that yet. I got to go oh, see man. that. I know. I suck. I know. I'm, I call myself a car guy. I'm ashamed of myself. Well, it's a good film. It's a little Hollywooded up in certain ways. A couple things straight up yeah. didn't happen. I would recommend watching the Adam Carolla-produced 24-hour war documentary first. Mm-hmm. You can stream that, yeah. Uh, Netflix or or Prime or whatever, yeah. Watch that first. That's the real story, uh, mm-hmm. as spoken by the real people. So Bob Bondurant's in it, and Shelby, and yeah, and Dan I, 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 so. I did see that. That's right, 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 right. Yeah, I saw that a few weeks ago. Oh, that yeah, yeah. that recently, yeah, just, Brennan. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I streamed it on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great <clears throat> film. It is a great film. Yeah, it's yeah. dynamite. Yeah. So now if you see Ford versus Ferrari, you'll see where they kind of fudged it a little bit. But it was still yeah. really cool. Still super cool. Yeah. Well, uh, they got to take some kind of creative license, I guess. So otherwise. Yeah. And that that's one of the few stories that I don't think needed it. Well, you know, there was so much yeah. action and drama in that, that story. I guess I think the strategy, and again, I'll make <clears> this up, but by adding like a little human drama they were able to sidestep some of the technical drama that would have oh. maybe turned off non-technical audience members. I see. Okay. Because there was technical drama of, you know, gearbox failures oh, yeah. and brakes and stuff that, that I thought was yeah. pretty slick. Yeah, cars burning into the ground, for crying out loud. Right, yeah, yeah then, then yeah. there's that, yeah. And then also, uh, Corolla has a recently released documentary on Shelby. I think it's oh, just yeah? called Shelby. Yeah, you could stream that one too. It's the same same team that put it together. Uh, my friend Matt DeAndrea has a little something to do with that. Um, I'm not sure what, but uh, I know he's worked on both of those. And uh, I'm looking forward to that too. I, I, uh, I've had kind of an interesting, you know, I don't want to call it love-hate, but varying enthusiasm levels about Shelby over the years. Is that right? I think... I land on one of his cars and then I kind of learn about it and go, Oh my gosh, this is cool. And then Mm. I kind of back away and be like, Oh, well here's a new Shelby F one fifty, and who cares? Uh And and then it's like, Oh yeah, but he was the guy behind, you know, the 66 win at Le Mans. So that's pretty cool. You know, Mm. (laughs) I'm always enthusiastic about it. I'm not a Shelby fanboy, but uh, I would certainly, Mm. um, I would love to own one. Oh boy. Ooh, baby. Yeah. And and not a Dodge Omni uh, Shelby. I would own that. Would you? Especially if somebody gave it to me. Touche, <laughs> 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 ah, sir. Touche. Well played. Well played. That was a double whammy. You dip back into a previous episode trivia question and mm-hmm. topic. 
How about that? Yeah, very nice. All right. Well, I think that's about all I got. We'll wrap up the year on a high note with that one. Uh, thanks again for uh, your participation in this silly venture. Oh. It's, uh, it's oh. a lot of fun. Enjoyed doing it. Dude, it's been great. I enjoyed every bit of it so far. So this has been phenomenal. Right on, right on. Well, unfortunately for you listener, there's more where that came from. <laughs> 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 so brace yourself. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're going to unleash a whole new uh, onslaught of VA Radio in 2020. And if you enjoy this program, of course, you can subscribe. And now that our friend Mikey Cuball Clark has uh, uh, laid out a list, I can say with authority that we are carried on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, the Podchaser app and website, and uh, VARadio.com. And, of course, our Facebook page where you can play along with the trivia questions and uh, and leave your answers right there for an opportunity to win nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And uh, I think that's all I got, man. Likewise. Thank you. No, this no, thank great. you. Yeah, yeah. And for all of us mm-hmm. at uh, uh, VATV, V8 Speed and Resto, Muscle Car of the Week, and v8 radio uh i'm kevin osi with mike cuball clark saying all the best in 2020 and keep the shiny side under 100 <laughs>